Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father God, we thank you for this day in the house of God. We thank you, Lord, that way before anything came upon the earth, uh, you have founded, you are the author and you are the finisher of our faith. And you have said, Lord, that we are to gather as a people. We are to come together. So we pray in Jesus' name that this day that we come together, you speak to our hearts and that you affirm us in our faith and that the good seed will be planted in good hearts and give forth good fruit, a harvest that glorifies you, Lord. For you say that the, uh, the harvest is great and the workers are few, Lord. There's a reason for that. It's not easy to get your hands dirty in the work of the Lord. Father God, we pray that we place our hands on the plow and we not turn back, uh, we not look back. Uh, we want to be fit for the kingdom. Fill us with your spirit, Lord. Uh, quicken us in Jesus' name. Uh, enlighten us. Fill us with the fire of the Holy Ghost and put oil in our lamps that we might continue to have the expectation of the return of our Lord. Father, these uh, things that we are uh, journey, our journey as we traverse a new territory, uh, Father God, we pray that no one walk in fear and no one faint, that we be renewed with courage. That's what your word says, that we encourage, that means uh, not discourage, encourage the brethren uh, to be faithful, Lord, until the last day, O oh God. And, and whether this is just a beginning of sorrows and things are going to get a lot more intense and worse, we pray that your hand would deliver us that you stay us in the course. We rebuke infirmity. We rebuke the spirit of death, the spirit of fever, uh, cold, illness, disease in Jesus' name, and that this place would be covered by the blood of the lamb and washed and cleansed and heal, Lord, the sick and set the captives free, Father God. Set us free from a spirit of timidity, of intimidation, of fear, and fill us, O oh God, that we might shine like the stars in the firmament, that we might shine bright as light of the world and salt of the earth. Father God, thank you for the power that works on behalf of those of us who believe. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. So there's a whole lot of shaking going on and the Bible confirms it saying everything that can be shaken will be shaken. So those things that do not uh, aren't just barely hanging on so those things remain and as I was going to bed last night and this is strong in my heart with respect to my responsibility the Bible talks about us having an unwavering and steadfast faith continuing more and more in the work of God so I decided to put together a little manifesto last night a manifesto is defined in the dictionary as a public proclamation, a public declaration of the way we aim to maintain the course. And uh, we need to bring uh, focus and clarity to our times. Um, all sorts of things are happening because of the coronavirus. Uh, one of the 
huge improvements is that because the kids have gone back home to be schooled, now they allow prayer and spanking. So that's a good thing. Uh, parents are spanking and, and praying with their children at home. So there's prayer and spanking in school. There's corporal punishment there. Um, but notwithstanding, this manifesto is a public declaration of where we stand. All manner of people have put together these manifestos. There's the Communist Manifesto uh, by Marx and Engel, and they said this is what is going to govern the way we march. Uh, Adolf Hitler uh, did a manifesto called the Mein Kampf, and that's talking about uh, how he was going to the philosophy and the blueprint for the Third Reich, how the Nazis would march and overtake Europe. Um, basically, they had a, 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 a sentiment. Uh, this, this manifesto of Adolf Hitler was called the reckoning. That means uh, the day of vengeance, the day of visitation. And here, uh, he says, we don't have enough room. So we plan on taking everybody else's territory. That's bold. And usually manifestos are bold. And they are um, full of uh, breathtaking declarations um, of the problems we're facing. And, and so the feminists have their manifesto, and they named it Scum Manifesto, talking about men. Uh, that's really powerful. Um, and, and we at Spring of Life Fellowship have a manifesto this morning that uh, clean hands and being neat and proper is, is nice, except for those that are called to change the world. Um, there, can, there cannot be an appetite of um, things unkept coming into our uh, work table and our work area um, because life in a world changer's life is not neat. Um, I'm, I'm just so amazed. I, I've received phone calls from people that are suicidal, they want to take their life, and they are a danger to society. Just, just imagine the depth of people that are deranged, that have serious mental problems, are going to severe bouts of depression. And you know how we have stood here in this church? Like this. Come to us. This is a place of safety. This is a place of safe haven. This is a place of refuge. I tell the story all the time of a homeless woman who was a prostitute and a crack addict, and her mom called me that she was suicidal, and we brought her to our home where we had our four children. Our children were, uh, I think uh, Christina was three years old, and the boys were like seven, eight, and nine. And we brought a homeless, crack addict, prostitute to live in our house. And, and you know why we did that? Because we are about our father's business. There was, you know, I did, the, I did the wise thing right before everybody went to bed at night. I took all the knives out of the kitchen. Because this woman could very well, she, she, she was very aggressive, very violent. And I grabbed all the knives and I put them away. I said, maybe she'll stab us with forks and spoons. But no knives. There's not going to be a massacre here. So we do our conscientious part way before the coronavirus. That has been our courage. 
That's the spirit of the Lord in this house. This is our DNA. We've never, when we, when we received our faith from our fathers, Pastor Richie is here, they never told us anything about fear. They never told us anything about not standing strong for the name of the Lord. So there's never been a time in our history that we have been challenged to, you know, like Kenny Rogers just passed away yesterday. And sometimes you got to fold them. Sometimes you got to walk away. That's not a Christian song, my friend. That's not, that's not our manifesto. We will stay the course. Our hands are dirty with the, with the lives of these people that they even forget. They even forget what was here that was their refreshing. Our vision in this church is being a place of refreshing for new and old believers. The, those that don't know God come here and they have an expectation that we have, just like when they go to look for toilet paper at Publix, when they come to the house of the Lord, there is substance in the house of the Lord. And the spiritual substance of courage to face animosity. So clean hands looks like a proper way. And I got rebuked by my wife because uh, we are supposed to wash our hands. But we're talking about spiritual dirt. And we're not, we're not going to say, I, I don't want to touch that. I don't want to go there. I don't want to welcome. Because we were welcomed in a certain day of desperation. In an hour of craziness. When my family had nowhere to go, the house of the Lord was open for his glory. And it wasn't just open. The power of God was present to transform this, everything we are the rest of our lives was, will be impacted by what happened when we came to the house of the Lord. I have to hurry up, people. I guess we'll just carry on this service all day long. We just go from service to service. But so our hands will not be clean. I don't want to have my hands clean. I want to have my hands on the plow doing the work and the business of my father. And he says to the weak and to the weary and to the lost and to the confounded and to the demon possessed, come. Come unto me, all you that are burdened and heavy laden, and you'll find rest. But I've told people a thousand times, if you're preaching the gospel on the street way before this virus, and they ask you, you're inviting people to come to church, the question is, will you be here when they show up? Because there's all manner of people saying, oh, you need Jesus. You need to come to the Lord. And when they come here, it's an inconvenient time to gather. I had something else to do. I couldn't be in the house of the Lord to receive you and welcome you. Guess what, people? Somebody has to be here. Somebody has to be here. We're, we cannot afford, and I could just see Jackson Hospital putting a sign out in the front of the emergency room, no more patients. They don't do that. The house of God cannot do that. Last night, they asked me, and years ago, when we employ people that come and work for the church, they say, what are our hours of business? Some people don't know what are hours of business. It's 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. 
Way before Walmart opened 24 hours, the church of Jesus Christ was open. And we, we are open with welcoming arms. So here it is. Since, one, since day one, the Lord called his followers to live a life of martyrdom. That means to lose their life. He who loses his life will find it. So Jesus said, but he who tries to save his life will lose it. They'll lose their life for the sake of the gospel. Likewise, Spring of Life Fellowship was founded by world-changing men and women who had nothing before we came to the house of the Lord. Take inventory. What did we have before we came to the family of God? And he's given us everything. And we have prospered and we're successful and we're fruitful. And we flourish in the house of the Lord. That's what the Bible says, in the house of the Lord. It's a place of flourishing and fruitfulness. I doubt that, that the banner of the Lord is a place of destruction and defeat. It's not going to happen. That's not what it is. So we were truly in this world without hope and without God. That's our testimony. And coming to the house of the Lord, we were welcomed, saved, healed, delivered, and set free with the purpose to serve God with liberty and courage. So everything in the word of God talks about courage. I was listening to... Um, Dr. Zacharias this week, he says, 365 verses in the Bible, do not fear. 365 days of the year where the Lord says, get fear out of your life. Do not live, do not move, do not be directed by a spirit of fear. And the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is wisdom. For those of you who says, yeah, it doesn't walk, don't walk in fear, but walk in wisdom. Well, what is wisdom but the fear of the Lord? And it happens to be our verse here in Spring of Life Fellowship, Proverbs 14, 27, which says the fear of the Lord is a spring of life. The fear of the Lord is a spring of life, and that fear is able to turn away the snares of death. This is a place of life. People who have come here have found life and life in abundance. There's not one testimony throughout all these years that people have come here and found death. They, they have found hope. They have found faith. They have found love. They have found life and life in abundance. At measures, you say, well, what makes you have a life that's abundant is that we give it to others. We have enough for ourselves and then we have enough to share. We're inviting people to come and live life. He who has the son has the life. He who has not the son has not life. So in that regards here, we have been saved, delivered, healed, set free, full of courage. For the past 22 years, this place of worship has been a full gospel um, house filled with the Holy Ghost. There's all manner of signs and wonders and miracles working in the house of worship. A world-changing church called to serve the Lord by reaching out to the lost, the fatherless, the orphan, the broken, the sick, the criminal, the alcoholic, the drug addict, the prostitute, the homeless, the sexually broken, the afflicted, the oppressed, the demon-possessed. I see some people running from demons. I, oh my God, he's demon-possessed. Let's bring him in. Years ago, a young girl came into this house 
She had found out that a friend of hers, Peter, had come in, and he was full of demons. He was in the occult, and we, 15 of us, surrounded Peter. He was a big man, six foot four, 300 pounds, and we began to cast demons out of this big man. And he rolled around for two hours, throwing up and getting delivered in Jesus' name. There was nobody running. We don't run from demons. We don't run from sickness. We don't run from death. He got set free, and he went to tell Claudia. Claudia, uh, a young woman, 31 years of age, go to that place. See, that's what people will reference. Go to that place, because just like I was set free, they'll set you free. And so Claudia had a $1,500 a month doctor bill. I don't know if it was a week or a month, but her dad was Patricio Ape. You look him up, he's the coach for Gabriela Sabatini, the world-class women's tennis. And, and, and Patricio Ape was the coach, and his daughter Claudia was very mentally taken by evil spirits. So when Peter says go, she came one night to the house of the Lord and she came with her mom. And I saw her come in through the doors and I said, "Woo!" She looked like the fire starter. She was so filled with demons. You could see it coming out of her eyeballs. And we said, come in. We started worshiping God. I said, I better put my guitar down and take her into the back room. And took her into the back room. I said, listen, you've come to the right place. I didn't, I didn't refer her to the local psychiatric ward. I didn't say go and, and find a nurse or a doctor. She needed deliverance. And so we, we said, listen, the, the, the devil who stole your smile, Jesus Christ is going to give it back to you. Because in Jesus' name, all these demons have to leave. And, and so her mom was like, okay, now my daughter's crazy, now this guy's crazy. So we said, ma'am, you better step outside because if you're not under the blood of Jesus, whatever come, came upon your daughter will come upon you. And all of a sudden, we began to pray again for two and a half hours. And we were able to get every single demon out of the life of this young girl. And she began to smile and the peace of God came back to her life. Her dad came back from the U.S. tennis open and says, what happened to you? She says, I went to the house of the Lord. Well, I want those people to come to my house. So we went to go have dinner with him. And he lived on Key Biscayne. And he says, what did you do for my daughter? And how did she get healed? And we said, she came to the house of the Lord. And we prayed in Jesus' name. And the demons ran. And he said like this, could I bring my whole tennis team to your church? Fifteen Russians, Romanians. Venezuelans, there were tennis girls from all over the world, vexed by demons. And he says, they can't play tennis because the devil is in their lives. And so I said, bring them to the house of the Lord. They all came, 15 tennis players. They sat in the second row all the way across the front row. And they all gave their hearts to the Lord. They all got saved in the house of God. And so we've always stood the course for the demon afflicted, the suicidal, the sexually broken, the oppressed, the distressed, the indebted, the discontent, the brokenhearted, the single mom. And people run from single moms because it just represents trouble. We have not. Widows, the fearful, the lonely, the selfish. That's who we were. 
But now this work, 24-7, 365, has never been easy or clean or without a mess. In fact, people that don't continue this work leave because it's too hostile for them. They're offended. They want a proper place. And we purpose to continue the course with clarity, conviction, and steadfastness in Jesus' name. That's our manifesto. We stand strong in the house of the Lord. We stand strong for the glory of the Lord. All manner of depictions in the Bible of the last days of a people great and strong in the book of Joel. They're like horses that will not let up until they triumph in battle. They're courageous. In Joshua 2, 9, we see Rahab. She puts a red cord outside of her window. Wherever that red cord is, the blood of Jesus, there's safety, there's salvation, there's deliverance. The blood of Jesus is on our red cord this morning and forevermore in Jesus' name. The Bible says that we're to be gathered in one accord. That's why we want unity. We want people to walk in the courage of faith in the word of God. We want to be founded. What we do, uh, a lot of, I went, to, I went to a pastor's conference up in Chicago at Moody Pastor Conference. When I sat down at lunch, I started talking to all the pastors. I said, let me ask you guys a question. Why are you guys not doing what's in the Bible? This is just, it's, it's, it's absurd, but there's an uh, onslaught of churches all over the world that, and, and the, here's the answer I got, because our bylaws say something else. Our corporate documents, they say something else, and we're not doing what the Word of God says because what our structure of bylaws in our corporate entity call us to conform to another uh, uh, format. And policy. And I was like, man, you guys are stripping yourselves of the power of God. And I couldn't understand it. But that's where we're at. Some people would rather have a louder voice. We said this in years to come. We said, um, people, make sure that God's voice is the loudest voice in your life. Because there's a lot of voices. A young woman brought a, a woman brought a young man to my office, law office, and she says, "My son has problems." I wasn't in psychiatry, but she wanted legal papers to have his guardianship, and she says, "My son is hearing voices." I go, "That's not a problem. The problem is when he's hearing the wrong voices." And we need to be hearing the voice of the Lord. These are the days of revival. These are the days where the fire of God has to burn bright in our lives. The Bible says in Matthew 18, 20, when two or more are gathered together in my name, I'm there in the middle of them. This is, this is fundamental in our beliefs. I know when I pray, when I'm gathered with God's people, Jesus is here. And if Jesus is here, Jesus has a function to save, to heal, to deliver, to protect, to provide. There's nothing in him that diminishes our existence upon the earth. So we're supposed to do is, is continue to stay the course in that regard. Some have made it a custom to not gather together. They have a ne a neglected the assembly, but we're to stay the course. We're to stay the course and, and continue to provide a welcome. And we're not going to walk outside of this. Here in Hebrews 10, verse 24, let us consider one another to provoke us unto love and good works. I, just, I, I know that in these days, a lot of people are spiking the wine. They're throwing tares among the wheat. They're discouraging. They're diminishing. Their, their, their reason why they will excuse themselves is because it's ludicrous 
in the light of the news of the world to be gathering amongst the saints. I don't, I don't know that. I don't see it. I want God to show me. I see what God says in Psalm 133, how good and pleasant it is when the people of God come together in unity. When the brethren gather, it's a place of power. It's a place where God commands. Psalm 133, verse 3, it's the dew of heaven that falls on that place of gathering. It's precious. For there, say with me, there is where God commands blessing and life forevermore. So a lot of it has become theology throughout the years. It needs to come and sink in and be a reality. I love when I see 1 Corinthians 14. He says, when the whole church comes together in one place, the mandate of the Lord for us, in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 23, he says, when you guys are all together, when the whole church comes together, when the whole church comes together, when the whole church stays home, when the whole church comes together, everyone is speaking in tongues, and all of a sudden, somebody who approaches that gathering, usually an unbeliever, and they come in, say with me, come in. Close for business. When they come into that place where there's people that are gathered, when the unbelievers come in, will they not say that you're out of your mind? Yeah, they will say we're out of our mind. But then they will say something else. Verse 24, they will say, surely, if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in, I guess everyone is praying and prophesying, they are convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all, verse 25, and the secrets of their hearts are laid bare. When you're confronted with why are you running? You know why you're running? Because you have no love. Because perfect love casts out fear. And there it says, when they, the secrets of their hearts are laid bare, they will fall down and worship God, and they will say these words, God is really here. When they come in and confront the darkness with light, light prevails. And they will walk away saying, you know something? The same thing, Peter, go to that place. Either go to the psychiatrist and keep on being medicated and, 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 and treated or go to the house of the God and be delivered. Amen. The spirit of God do his work. Where the spirit of God is, there is liberty. Amen. There's no captivity. So this is the confession and profession of the non-Christian, of those who do not understand that God is really here. Amen. He's really here. There are people who haven't had that experience. They're poor. They're, they're stripped. They don't have the richness of God. But we encourage ourselves with these things. Fear has been ousted from our hearts long ago. We're walking in assurance. I've got to hurry up. I've got two minutes. I love the words of Jesus in John 14, 27. Proverbs 14.27 is our vision, the name of our church. But John 14.27 says that I'll leave you my peace. The way I think, I'm, I'm, I'm downloading to you and my peace that I give 
I don't give you as the world gives you. So, so the world has paradigms that they think in regards to how they conduct their affairs. I would rather the word of God conduct my affairs rather than any person that could ever fathom to direct my steps. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Don't, don't let yourselves be governed by other dictates. Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing. You know what nothing means in the Greek? Nothing. But in everything, pray. Don't let anxiousness come up into your life. Pray without ceasing, the Bible says. How do you do that? The same thing, the same way you worry, without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. But in every situation, by prayer, petitions, thanksgiving, present your request to God. Why? Verse 7. So that the peace of God might guard your hearts. So that the way God has set up life will be a protection to guard your hearts, and not only your hearts, but your minds. And people's minds are running crazy. Yesterday, a woman wrote out her whole death wish on how she's going to die because of the pandemic. I want Christians to start writing the story of how they're going to live because of Jesus. Everybody tells you the bad news. Tell them, hey, now that you've told me the bad news, can you tell me any good news? And when they're not able to articulate good news, you know they need the gospel of Jesus Christ. Gospel means good news. Evangelio. The proclamation of good news. The poor are made rich and the sick are healed. That's part of our proclamation. The captives are set free. This is the acceptable year of the Lord. In the midst of derision and destruction, there's a house that's on a hill and it shines brighter than any other. If you read with me the book of Nehemiah, and I'll finish with this, chapter 4, the Bible says, when Sambalat heard that we were building the wall in Jerusalem, he was angry and upset. I want to tell you just by the fact that you have decided to worship your Lord, that's enough to make people angry and upset. They're angry and upset. Why? Because you're building, rebuilding those things that have been lost for many generations. They were greatly incensed. And how do they do this? I walked into the law office of a friend of mine yesterday. And when I walk in, the first thing he says is, hey, those pastors are killing people. They're telling them to go to church and they're ridiculing. It's the first thing they told me. I said, listen, obviously you don't know my God. Obviously you don't know the power of the Holy Spirit. Obviously you haven't heard the good news. The Bible says in the last days, Isaiah chapter 2 verse 2 in the last days, the mountain of the house of the Lord will be the highest mountain. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above all the hills and all the nations will find out, wait a second, we found a place that is a repellent to every virus known to man. Well, where's that? The house of the Lord. The house of Jesus Christ. They will run to that place from all nations. And some people are saying, Pastor, you see it says live stream. They will stream into that place. That's the devil. Verse 3. They will tell each other, many people, say with me, many peoples will come. See, I'm glad that, that there's seats available for the ones that come. And the ones that try to come back, they're not going to be welcomed. It says, somebody took your seat. 
You had to bring your, your beach folding chair because your seat got taken. Many will come and say, come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord. Where's that? To the temple of God. Because there they will be teaching. That's what we're doing this morning, teaching us the ways of the Lord so that we may walk in his path. One thing is having it in your head. Another thing is doing it. We have so many people have so much theology in their head, they do not practice anything. The Bible says they render the word of God null and void by their traditions. There's nothing more powerful than the word of God unless you bring mental intellect into the word of God. That's why God had to diffuse me. When I see that he turned the two fish and the five loaves to feed 5,000, I said, Lord, why did you put that in the Bible? It insults my intelligence. There's no way two fish and five loaves feed a multitude. He says, Joaquin, I put that in the Bible to short fuse your intellect. To give you, what's it called? To cut your, to blow your fuse. So you stop thinking in the natural. Because God is in the realm of the supernatural. It's really powerful. So these were trying, they were upset, Sambalat and Tobias, verse four, uh, chapter 4, verse 1. They tried to ridicule us. They were making fun of the Jews. Verse 2, Sambalat talked with his friends and to the army of Samaria and says, what are these weak Jews doing? Look at these simpletons. Nehemiah 4.2. Look at these foolish ones. Look at these feeble Jews. The word Jew means chosen. Not everybody who's a true Jew is a true Jew. It's those that walk. Their father God. Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifice? Will they worship? Listen, this is a place of worship. If you want to worship in your house, you're fine to do so. But in this place, there's other families that come. They're not going to come to your house. They come to the house of worship. And we all gather to hear together, not to spectate, not to perform, not to provide some, some show to worship our God at the temple of God, in the house of God. And so we restore those things. Uh, will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble? Everything is, is down in ashes and burned as they are. Look at the conditions of the world. Are they going to put things back in their proper place? Amen. I wouldn't be here if I didn't believe it. I believe God's going to restore all things. Verse 3, Tobiah. Tobiah the Ammonite was with Sambalot. And Tobiah said, what do these Jews think they're building? Why are they there? If even a small fox climbed on it, the most insignificant influence would cause their walls to break down. The world looks at us like crumbling walls, like we have nothing to offer. My friend, this is the hope of the world. What's happening right here is the hope of the world. They'll figure it out sooner or later. Been here a long time. So verse 4, Nehemiah prayed. That's where we go to, verse 4. In the midst of the ridicule, in the midst of the mockery, in the midst of the unbelief, we pray. God, listen to our prayer. These men hate us. They're offended by us. Sambalat and Tobiah are insulting us. They make bad things happen to them. He says, make bad things happen to them. Make them ashamed like the people taken away as prisoners. Don't take away their guilt or forgive their sins. They have done what they've done in your sight to discourage. They have insulted and discouraged the builders. They have discouraged, verse 5, 
they have discouraged the builders. They have insulted us, and they have worked contrary to those that are building. Verse 6, we built the walls all the way around, and it reached the height, and the people worked with all their heart. There's, there's people that are working here. Fernanda's still working. The ushers are still standing. The Sunday school is still standing. The media department is still standing. The worship team is still here. The leaders are still here. Why? We're about the Lord's business. I don't know what, what other people are into and what's their priority and their pursuit, but this is our highest call is to serve the Lord our God. And God is going to make a mockery of all the gods of this world. Everything that people run to as a refuge, he's going to destroy. That's what God does. He did it in Egypt. He destroyed all the gods of Egypt. And only those that were under the blood of the lamb were saved and delivered and enriched. The Bible says there was a transfer of wealth from Egypt to the people of God. My friends, get ready for a transfer. Get ready for a supernatural transfer of provision for what, pastor? So we can serve the Lord our God. That's where we lay down our time, our treasure, and our talents at the feet of Jesus. So as the word, the word went out, let's go to Nehemiah chapter 6 verse 8. I sent unto them with all their threats saying, nothing that you say, nothing like what you are saying is happening. Are you ready to tell people like that? Everything that you're saying, none of that is happening. So you are just making it up. It's coming out of your head. All the things you're fomenting, it has nothing to do with reality in God. You're making it up in your head. In verse 9 it says, for they all made us afraid. What they were all doing was bringing fright into us thinking their hands will get too weak, the work, and it will not be completed. But I prayed, now Lord, since they want us not to be strong enough, strengthen my hands. Since they don't want me to stay the course, Lord, give me the strength to stay the course. When they're doubting what I'm doing, I'm praying against what they are desiring. A lot of people are desiring a lot of evil things. Verse 10, afterwards I came to the house of Shem, to the son of Deliah, and the son of Melai, who was shut up. Listen, this part is so powerful. Please, give me two more minutes. It says that when he came to this house... This man was hiding in his house and he said to Nehemiah, let us run to the house of the Lord inside the temple and let us close the temple doors. Let's shut the temple down so we're safe. And because the men are coming to kill you by night, they are coming to kill you. If you leave the doors open, you die. You, you know what Nehemiah said? And this shows you the character of this man. Verse 11, he says, do I look like a guy that I'm scared? Should a man like me run away? Should a man like me flee? Should a man like me, who's been called to restore the kingdom of God, run? Or should someone like me go into the temple to find out how he could save his life? I refuse to go. Nehemiah says, I'm not going to hide I'm not going to be afraid. I don't know if you saw my pedigree, but it doesn't say that I run. doesn't say coward there. I've been fighting this battle too long. I have stood and withstood the divorce, the plague of divorce in our country. And I've stood on the forefront defending marriages. 
fighting the battles. I have never gone home, stayed up late at night, early in the morning, fighting the battles of the Lord. And so Nehemiah was saying the same thing. I don't look like one that runs. Does somebody like me look like somebody who will run? It's not going to happen. Let's pray. And let's understand the times we're living. Uh, the torch is lit. There's oil in my lamp. And it keeps burning. And Father God, I thank you for this day that you have made. Thank you for the power of your presence in this place. Thank you for the congregation. Thank you for the ga those that gather, those who have been washed and redeemed and delivered and set free by the blood of the lamb, by the name of Jesus. Father, we shall proclaim this gospel until you come. The gospel of the kingdom, of the government of God, of, of, of the standing of the, the truths in the midst of all that's going on in this world, where there's great deception, where there's great fear, where there's a, a hostility, famine, and pestilence, Lord. Father God, we, we stand in the house of the Lord. We, we pray for uh, a unanimous, one mind, one heart, one spirit to concern these affairs in these times. Fill us with your spirit, O oh God. Fill us with your truth, and that your work might prevail. And we glorify you, Lord. Continue to save the lost. Continue to save souls. Continue to heal the sick. Continue to set the captives free, Lord. Continue, Father God, to heal the brokenhearted and to restore families and restore finances and restore health and restore sanity and mental health, Lord. And we know, Father God, that you're able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we pray and ask in Jesus' name. And the house of the Lord says, amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Greet one another in the love of the Lord. Remember that all our non-essential meetings have been canceled during this time. We'll only meet Sunday, Wednesday until further notice and Thursday night. God bless you.